Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. Today on CityCast Chicago, I'm joined by the team behind one of your favorite podcasts in the city. Lead producer of CityCast, Carrie Shepard, and producer Simone Alisayar in the building to help me break down some key news from the week. It's Friday, September 30th. I'm Jacoby Cochran, and this is CityCast Chicago. This morning, we're going to do things a little bit different. Usually, I bring in two guests from across the city to tell me their stories. But, you know, I'll never really get to share my stories. So, lead producer Carrie Shepard is going to be our moderator today. And producer Simone, Ali Say, and myself, we're going to break down some of the stories that was on our hearts and minds this week. Uh, Carrie, Simone, good morning. Good morning. Good morning. How y'all feeling today? We, we never really, we powwow like every day, but we never really get to sit down and, you know, break down stories. Yeah, we well, I mean, we talk about the news throughout the day, but we we it's so quick, it's so fast that yeah. we kind of we, are like we never record how how great we are together. Exactly, exactly. There's, I think that's what there, we're trying there are to a say. lot of laughs on the cutting room floor there. <laughs> Seriously, we've been talking for like fifteen minutes before this recording started, <laughs> and they'll get to hear none of this. Like, honestly, I have never cared for like, you know, get your coin, but I never really cared for like Patreon or like subscriptions, but like. Us, I understand it now. I'm like, we got hella bonus content. People should pay for this. <laughs> they should pay for this. Um, well, Carrie, you are going to do the honors of kind of moving us yes. through the stories. But before we get started, I got to ask, you know, a little question to both of y'all. It's getting cold outside. I got a sweater on in the crib right now, which means it's fall. I don't even think we got a transition period. It went from hot as hell to kind of chilly as hell. Um, but with fall comes layers comes pumpkins, comes changing colors. So lead producer, uh, Miss Shepard, what's something you looking forward to this fall season in Chicago? Well, no surprise to either of you. I always get excited for new fall fits. Um, that's outfits for people my age, because I just learned what fits <laughs> meant like two weeks ago. Uh, it was at least a year ago. It was a year ago. It was a year ago. <laughs> so I like to, you know, I bring in a new season of fashion. Also, um, I read in the newsletter, Sydney wrote about glamping, which is a sort Big of gla- glamorous camping. And I'm not going to lie, that is something I could get down with. I really, during the (laughs) pandemic, absorbed nature, was in nature more, really enjoyed it, did more hiking. I could do some glamping. Not camping, but I would like to try some glamping and, you know, see the the leaves change and get the brisk air. But then go inside and sleep inside. (laughs) Exactly. Uh, Simone, what is something you're looking forward to this fall, this autumn? Autumn. autumn. I I'm it's still just autumn. really excited to to live in a place where autumn is a real thing. Uh, I'm from Seattle, and there it just goes from smoky to rainy. <laughs> There's no transition. Uh, and I think the thing I'm most excited about is the colors, the leaves. Uh, and mm-hmm. I found out. I remember finding this out last year, also from Sydney. 
um, that uh, Enjoy Illinois, which is the state's like tourism agency, okay. puts out a fall color report every season, and they show you where to see the best colors in the state throughout fall. You know, up up into November, right? That's and fire. Even though I aspire to use that report to like make a drive and go see something, I also appreciate that I can go there and just like peep the pictures that people post on Instagram and stuff. Nice. Uh, nice. So either way, whether I'm doing it from my apartment warm in front of a screen or I do actually make the trip, I think it's a nice little resource. Jacoby, like me, you're not a fan of the cold weather, uh, but it's not too cold yet. What are you looking forward to for fall? Hot things, soups, <laughs> chilies, hot yes. chocolates. Yes. Right. It's been months since I've consumed like mostly like hot brothy liquids. Whether it's like a, again like a like a hot chocolate or like a good bowl of chicken soup. I don't know. I just can't eat soup during the summer. No. Uh, it's it's pure ice cream, froyo, right? Things that are just like salads, right? But but now, no, we off that. Obviously, we got to put some of those frozen dessert treats away. If you're a rational person, if you still out here eating ice cream in the middle of December, you know, <laughs> honestly, you must be the happiest person. Okay, so we're going to do it like we do every week, with the exception that Jacoby gets to share his stories. He won't be hosting, but I will walk Jacoby and Simone through it. We're going to talk top stories, some stories that need a little bit more hype, and then we always end with good news. Simone, start us off. What is your top story of the week? The story that's really been capturing my interest this week is this investigation by our friends at the Chicago Sun-Times and WBEZ into the new um, near Southside High School that CPS is planning to build. Um, I sort of vaguely remember when this sort of started bubbling up earlier this year when, when CPS said this is something they wanted to do. And I know we had done some stories in Chinatown and we had heard that this was a desire among folks in that area for, for, for a long time, for decades, in fact. Um, but this new investigation uh, shows that top CPS officials um, had were warning that building this new school at the location it's at could have a negative impact on nearby schools that have majority black populations, um, that it could have, that it could impact their enrollment. These schools are already for the most part, really under enrolled. Um, and that these are what we new- would consider our neighborhood schools yeah, as opposed to like our selective and- enrollment, et cetera. Yeah, I mean, it would it would be a problem for both neighborhood schools that are majority black, but also schools like Dunbar Career Vocational Academy, which is um, which actually accepts students from all over, but is also a majority black. So, Simone, when you say that, you know, uh, Sarah Karp and Nader Issa at Chicago Sun-Times and WBZ uncovered this story, there, there were these top CPS officials who were saying, who were warning that this would happen. Yes. Who were these officials and to whom were they saying this to? To CEO Pedro Martinez? Like, who's kind of waving the red flag and who's kind of ignoring the red flag? One, I can't, I can't remember the exact titles. One, I do recall was, so both of them have since left CPS. Um, they had penned a memo to, in, uh, to the interim CEO before Pedro Martinez. That was Jose mm. Torres. Um, and... 
one of those officials who who uh, sort of was involved in this memo was was a, like the chief equity officer. So like their whole job was talking about equity in CPS. Sure. Uh, and and so they penned this memo to the the former interim C, uh, CEO and other CPS officials saying that the the district should be doing um, a racial equity impact analysis and and that analysis never happened. Ah, okay. Jacoby, obviously you've been following this story. I know there was big movement on it on this week on Wednesday at the Chicago Board of Education meeting. What happened and what's the future of this near Southside school? Mm-hmm. I will say going into that meeting, I was very confused about what they were voting on. Yeah. If you just look at headlines, you might be convinced that they were voting to, uh, you know, build a new school to say like this is the final stamp but officials definitely wanted people to kind of slow the brakes on that it was interesting they were voting one to purchase a piece of land near the proposed site so around like 23rd and Wabash Hmm. for like 10 million dollars that vote passed then the plan is to swap that piece of land with a piece of land owned by CHA in the area around 24th and state on the south end of the South Bridge development that's taking place in that like Sir Mac Motor Road district area. Okay, and land so, owned by the Chicago Housing Authority. Exactly. And so they would swap land and then on that new land they would uh I imagine build a new high school. So they voted to purchase the land and swap the land and they also voted for the city planning commission to start putting together designs for this 120 million dollar high school. And it's really important for people to pay attention to this story because on one hand, as we all have noted, members of the Chinatown community have been fighting hard Mm -hmm. to get a high school in the area. But even representatives uh, who are fighting for that addition to the community have said we need to listen more to people in the community and we need to be considerate about where we're putting this because this land was promised for the redevelopment of public housing. And these fears that people have about what a school could do in terms of harming the neighborhood, um, they're, they're not without merit. Back in 2019, when Inglewood STEM Academy opened, a school that when it was proposed, they said it would cost $75 million. It went on to cost about $10 million more. Mm. And then it led to the closing of four underperforming schools in Inglewood. The schools around this proposed site have been losing enrollment year after year. And so people are at the meeting asking, well, is it the right time to be building a new school when maybe we should be using this money to sure up schools with uh, extra needs, schools that are losing students? Jacoby, obviously you're watching that story closely. What is an, what is another big story that you've been following this week? Not to move far from education, but it looks like CTU has officially endorsed a candidate for the upcoming mayoral election. Ah. And that is Brandon Johnson, a Cook County commissioner and a a former organizer with CTU. But what's interesting is Brandon Johnson ain't officially announced that he is running for mayor. Uh, (laughs) Right. Back at the beginning of September with an interview with WTTW, he said that he wouldn't put his name in the hat unless he thought he had the ability to unite progressive and labor organizers in the city. Uh, but I'm I'm interested to see how y'all feel about this. We've had more and more names joining uh, the mayoral election over the last few months. Everybody from business people to, you know, former community organizers to current alder people. And at no point through this conversation do I think anybody 
has able to pick a front runner, somebody who seems to be mm-hmm. leading beyond the incumbent, Mayor Lightfoot, because as you know, most uh, political scientists will tell you the incumbent often has the best chance. But I wonder, with this growing field, do you think Brandon can stick out? And does this CTU um, endorsement mean anything, given their last two candidates they've endorsed? Loss. Yeah, I mean... Obviously, a CTU endorsement traditionally is a big deal, right? But a even bigger deal usually is getting the other progressive unions like SEIU, which has mm-hmm. obviously more members than CTU does. It is interesting, too, that you note that like he hasn't, quote unquote, officially run. And we are we are still in sort of this cycle of wait and see because a lot of people, including probably uh, Congressman Chewy Garcia is are waiting to see right. He's it, the people well, think already he's, got an ale on his on his mayoral election right. running board. Although he did force a runoff, but he's kind of it. Everybody's like, is he is is he going to or is isn't he? And he's also kind of like, am I going to or <laughs> or am I not going to? It's a little bit waiting to see who else will join the race. So I don't know. I mean, getting an endorsement from a big union it put your definitely put your name out there more than some of the other candidates. But there's still so many unknowns at this point. There's nothing to really go on right now, uh, which is right. really frustrating because the election's not that far away. <laughs> um, right. Just, right. February is closer than we think, as much as we would prefer not to think so. Uh, I I wonder, too, how much of this is the Chicago Teachers Union wanting to kind of make some noise early, wanting to kind of take a stand early um, to kind of signal, hey, here's where we're going. Here's what we're thinking and and trying to trying to create um, something to talk about, so to speak, something to something to analyze, something to say, oh, it's it's for us to then make that comparison. Like, is he going to be become a, a front runner or someone who can actually uh, challenge the incumbent mayor Lightfoot? Okay, let's uh, let's shed some light on some stories that Jacoby and Simone, you read, but you haven't been hearing a ton of chatter about. This is our these are under hype stories, as we like to call them. Jacoby, let's start with you. What have you been reading about and want to shed some light on? So my story this week takes us to Tui Park up in Rogers Park. Uh, We've covered this park before because during the pandemic, it became the site of a rather large encampment for people who were experiencing houselessness, especially exacerbated by the lack of resources in the city um, and and even the the weather changing. Uh, But it is back in the, the news while... Uh, the older person up there, Maria Haddon, has worked with individuals staying at Tui Park to secure housing. Uh, the encampment has started to balloon again as we move into chillier, colder months. Uh, unfortunately, this week, there was a flyer that was posted in the park that announced uh, Maria Haddon was having the people living in this encampment evicted in five days. OK, uh, that sent a. Uh, a lot of panic throughout the members of this encampment. Uh, some people started packing their things up. According to Joe Ward at Block Club Chicago, uh, Maria hadn't even had to go down to Tui Park to let members of the community know that this was a scam, that she had nothing to do with this. This was a publicity stunt and that all of these uh, sort of fake evictions uh, were actually tied to a DePaul student 
who in an interview earlier this week openly stated that they were working on a publicity stunt to try to draw more attention to themselves, their website, and their potential mayoral candidacy. And so even when you go to their website, in which they say they... You know, they were hoping to bring more attention to this issue in their website where they could talk about real solutions. There is nothing on their website that has anything to do with houselessness. There is nothing in their background that point towards resources for people experiencing houselessness. It, it just really rubbed me the wrong way. And, you know, again, I don't want to lambast a, a young woman, but to read the story and to hear that when people found out that they weren't going to be put up in a a Four Seasons hotel, as the eviction notice stated. Uh, Many people were brought to tears Hmm, and and were broken down because they're already facing the constant threat of having their things stolen. Right, Um, right. Having themselves be displaced from the park or or any other resource they're trying to find during during this time. And for this publicity stunt to just be so callous and in their face, um... Yeah, absolutely. Simone, what story do you want to give some extra attention to? I have a completely different story up on the north side here. Um, I want to talk about the the pedestrianization of Catalpa Avenue up in Andersonville. Uh, that's a fancy way of saying that um, officials and uh, and community groups and the Department of Transportation are planning to uh, take a stretch of Catalpa uh, from Clark Street um, and make it car-free. Um, that is a little piece uh, of road that's often closed for, like, the farmer's market. For I mean, Andersonville has, yeah. like, tons of festivals, and so that bit is often closed to traffic anyway, and now they're moving to close it permanently. Wow. Um, number one, I just – I love the idea of car-free streets. Um, I, I think they're great. I love walking around and not – being worried that I'm going to get hit by a car, particularly sure. in neighborhoods mm-hmm. that have got lots of cool stuff to offer. Um, this has apparently been in the works since early 2020, like right before the pandemic. Um, but what I haven't really seen in any of the coverage of it is like how, how CDOT, how the Department of Transportation sort of got the idea to do it in the first place. If someone just went to the alder person and, and asked mm. for it or if... Um, and so this is the thing I'm trying to find out because Chicago has sort of a collection of streets like this, you know, in Lincoln Square, Englewood Mall or the Englewood Plaza is a is another one, another example of a, of a car free street like this. And I am just wish there were more resources so that other people in other neighborhoods could be like, oh, hey, I think this street would be really good. We're always closing it for farmers markets or we could have farm. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. I just wish the, those resources were were more clearly were more clearly laid out. I think it usually does come from the residents who want it. And this is going to be a big issue to follow, I think, throughout the city as we see more and more bikers and pedestrians mm-hmm. who are really active in appropriately pushing back on intersections that are really dangerous for them to bike. And it's not just a safety thing either. It's also like a sort of business corridor thing. Like sure. mm-hmm. during the pandemic, there were there was all this dining al fresco and you know, the city did a lot to kind of move um, operations and activities into the streets so that people could be outdoors during the pandemic and also to kind of generate business. Um, so that's sort of another element of this, too, is that if you make streets more walkable, nearby businesses 
can do really well. I'm not even going to lie, even though it would probably be hellish, 53rd Street between Lake Park and Woodlawn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If there were no cars there, again, I don't know how it would work logistically, but oh, that would be so beautiful just to like walk up and down the street. Okay, our favorite part of really every episode, but we love it on Fridays, is our Take It Away, Jacoby. Some good news to get us through the weekend, baby. Yeah. Okay. Love it. Love it. Okay. So let's start with you, Simone Alisea. What is your good news for all of us? Okay. I really want to point everyone to this story on WTTW. This is a couple layers of goodness to it. <laughs> People who love uh, or, or and who have loved Monty and Rose, uh, the piping plovers of Montrose, formerly of Montrose uh, Beach. Yes, of course, of course. Uh, will be excited to hear that even though our Monty has passed, Rose uh, did not come up to, to, uh, uh, to summer here. Um, but they can still visit their favorite plovers because an artist has carved their likeness in relief into the limestone by the lake at Montrose, Um, which is just really cool. I love the, the, the piping plover story. I have loved watching from afar. I love people who love the story. I think they've gotten a lot of comfort out of these birds, but totally, if you read the whole story on WTTW, you learn that this is just one of like many, 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 many kind of, folk carvings, unofficial carving art on the rocks along all along the lake. Uh, it's like a, a hundred years old tradition. There's a, there's a book about uh, chronicling some of them, a, book, a photography book of some of these sculptures. And I, it's just a really neat story. And it really sort of brings up this uh, like human urge to, to make your mark on the world. Like it's why kids write like, Joe was here in their desk or whatever, you know what I mean? Like that right, that right. impulse is the same as an artist carving these birds into the rock. And I, you know, I, I think that's something we can appreciate. And I think it's like under, I, I do think it's like not that well known in the realm of like- Public art? Street art in Chicago, yeah. Yeah, like we talk about the murals a lot. Do we talk about this other, this whole huge element? Okay, Jacoby, what is your good news to get the people through? My some good news this week is our uh, CityCast happy hour. Uh, We're recording this Thursday morning, so we haven't done it yet. But if you're listening to this, uh, that means it's already happened. And it was a huge success. Uh, (laughs) We got... We're awarding Annie Ammon gift cards, CityCast swag at Midwest Coast Brewing uh, for completing our summer bucket list challenge. Uh, Annie did all 21 things. And she ain't give up. She, like, went to the south side on her bike, I think, like, 20 miles. Sweet steak spot closed. They on vacation at home at a hoagie. But then she went over to Gresham and grabbed one. And so Annie was really committed to finishing the summer bucket list challenge. And thank you so much, Annie, for sharing your pictures with us. Uh, If y'all see her bike around the city, don't hit me. I'm gay. It's a local... Yeah, it's like a local Chicago gym now. So if you if you find if you see her bike around the city, take a picture of it. It's got um, a little license plate. Don't yep. hit me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's uh, awesome. We're always looking for ways to get more involved with our city, 
to, to give you a roadmap of all the ways you can explore the city, but also ways that we can connect with our neighbors, whether they're bucket list challenge or neighborhood guides. Shout out to everybody who comes, who came to our CityCast happy hour at Midwest Coast Brewing. Uh, it means a lot to us as we're getting close to our 400 episode mark. It, it ain't just Simone and I. Carrie, we got to ask you too, what's your some good news to get the people through the weekend? Well, I don't know if this is going to get the people through the weekend, but it will definitely get <laughs> me through the weekend. Um, I got married last weekend. I got married last Y'all, she was so fly. It was what? so cool. Those pictures are awesome. Um, yeah, and that it was um, everything, everything was perfect and went super well and it was stress-free. And I got to spend time with my family and see them. And it's just... And it was like a celebration of Chicago. We took all these wonderful pictures at these great spots around the city. And we got married at the Museum of Contemporary Art, which we love. So it was really a celebration of the city that made us a couple. Um, And so, yeah, that's that's some good news to celebrate, I must say. I want to give another huge thank you to my lead producer, Carrie Shepard. And my producer, Simone Alisea, for joining me to break down some stories from the week. Uh, Before I let you go, please subscribe to our daily newsletter at chicago.citycast.fm. And to everybody who joined us at Midwest Coast Brewing, thank you from the bottom of our hearts. Uh, Now I got to thank the people who make CityCast Chicago possible. You heard from two of them today, lead producer Carrie Shepard and producer Simone Alisea, our newsletter writer Sydney Madden, our producer Meg Dalton, the people who make the music we all love to listen to, all the kimonos, Mark Greenberg of the Mayfair Workshop, and my boy Sam Thousand. And as always, my last thank you is for you. Thank you for listening, reading, subscribing, and sharing CityCast Chicago with your friends and family. It means a lot to us. We'll talk to you on Monday. Peace. Transition music. Ba-da-ba, ba-da-ba, ba-da-ba. Ba-da-ba.